Chapter Two of the Sturdy Oak. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Sturdy Oak, Chapter Two, by Harry Leon Wilson. It may have been surmised that our sterling young candidate for district attorney had not yet become skilled in dalliance with the equivocal, that he was no adept in ambiguity, that he would confront all issues with a rugged valiance susceptible of no misconstruction, that in short, George Remington was no trimmer. If he opposed an issue, one knew that he opposed it from the heart out. He said so, and he meant it and being opposed to the dreadful heresy of equal suffrage, no reader of the Whitewater Sentinel that morning could say, as the shrewd so often say of our older statesmen, that George was sidestepping. Not George's the mellow gift to say, in effect, that of course women should vote the instant she wishes to, though perhaps that day has not yet come. Meantime, the speaker boldly defies the world to show a man holding women in loftier regard than he does, or ready to accord her a higher value in all true functions of the body politic. Equal suffrage, thank God, is inevitable at some future time, but until that glorious day when we can be assured that the sex has united in a demand for it, it were perhaps as well not to cloud the issues of the campaign now opening, though let it be understood, and he cannot put this too plainly, that he reveres the memory of his grey-haired mother, without whose tender ministrations and wise guidance he could never have reached the height from which he now speaks. And so let us pass on to the voting on these canal bonds, the true inwardness of which, thanks to the venal activities of a corrupt opposition, even an exclusively male constituency has thus far failed to comprehend, and so forth. Our hero, then, has yet to acquire this finesse, as we are now privileged to observe him. He is as easy to understand as the multiplication table, as little devious, and alas, as lacking in suavity. Yet let us be fair to George. Mere innocence of guile, of verbal trickery, had not alone sufficed for his passionate bluntness in the present crisis. At a later stage in his career as a husband, he might have been equally blunt, yet never again, perhaps, would he have been so emotional in his opposition to women polluting herself with the mire of politics. Be it recalled that but five weeks had elapsed since George had solemnly promised to cherish and protect the fairest of the non-voting sex, at least in his state, and he was still taking his mission seriously. As he wrote the words that were now electrifying in a manner of speaking the readers of the Sentinel and of neighboring journals with enough enterprise to secure them, he had beheld his own Genevieve, fine, flawless, tenderly nourished flower that she was, being dragged from her high place with the most distressing results. He saw her rushed from the sacred shelter of her home and made to attend primaries. He saw her compelled to strive tearfully with problems that revolted all her finer instincts. 
he saw her insulted at polling booths saw her voting in company with persons of both sexes whom one could never know he saw her tainted bruised beaten down in the struggle losing little by little all sense of the holy values of wife mother home as he wrote he heard her weakening cries for help as she perished and more than once his left arm instinctively curved to shield her was it not for his wife then nay for wifehood itself that he wrote and so was it quite fair for unmarried penfield evans burning at his breakfast table a cynical cigarette over the printed philippic to murmur gee old george has spilled the beans simple words enough and not devoid of friendly concern but should he not have divined that george had been appalled to his extremities of speech by the horrendous vision of his fair young bride being hurled into depths where she would be obliged if not to have opinions of her own at least to vote with a rabble as he might decide they ought to vote and should not other critics known to us have divined the racking anguish under which george had labored for one should not elizabeth sheridan amateur spinster have been all sympathy for one who was palpably more an alarmed bridegroom than a mere candidate should not her maiden heart have been touched by this plausible aspect of george's dilemma rather than her mere brain to have been steeled to a humorous disparagement tinged with bitterness and yet what rot muttered miss sheridan silly rot bally rot tommy rot and all the other kinds hereupon she creased a brow not meant for creases and defaced an admirable nose with grievous wrinkles of disdain sacred names of wife and mother this seemed regrettably like swearing as she delivered it though she quoted verbatim sacred names of petted imbeciles she amended then with berserker fury crumpling her sentinel into a ball she venomously hurled it to the depths of a waste-basket and religiously rubbed the feel of it from her fingers as she had not even glanced at the column-headed births deaths marriages it will be seen that her agitation was real and surely a more discerning sympathy might have been looked for from the seasoned martin jaffrey a bachelor full of years and therefore with illusions not only unimpaired but ripened who more quickly than he should have divined that his nephew for the moment viewed all womankind as but one multiplied genevieve upon whom it would be heinous to place the shackles of suffrage perhaps uncle martin did divine this perhaps he was a mere trimmer a rank side-stepper steeped in deceit and ever ready to mouth the abominable phrase political expediency it were rash to affirm this for no analyst has ever fathomed the heart of a man who has come to his late forties a bachelor by choice one may but guess from the ensuing meagre data uncle martin at a certain corner of maple avenue that morning fell in with penfield evans who clad as the lilies of a florist's window strode buoyantly towards his office the vision of his day's toil pinkly suffused by an overlaying vision of a betty or sheridan character mr evans bubbled his greeting morning have you seen it oh say have you seen it 
the immediate manner of uncle martin not less than his subdued garb of gray his dark gloves and his somber stick intimated that he saw nothing to bubble about he has burned his bridges behind him the speaker looked as grim as any bachelor by choice ever may regular little firebug blithely responded mr evans moderating his stride to that of the other can't understand it resumed the gloomy uncle i sent him word in time sent it from your office by messenger it was plain enough i told him no money of mine would go into his campaign if he made a fool of himself or words to that effect phew cast you off did he just like that just like that went out of his way to overdo it too needn't have come out half so strong no chance now to backwater not a chance on earth to explain what he really did mean and make it something different quixotic that's how it reads to me uncle martin here became oracular his somber stick gesturing to point his words trouble with poor george he's been silly enough to blurt out the truth what every man of us thinks in his heart eh said mr evans quickly as one who has been jolted no more sense than to come right out and say what every one of us thinks in his secret heart about women i think it and you think it oh well if you put it that way admitted young mr evans gracefully but of course certainly of course we all think it sacred names of home and mother and all the rest of it but a man running for office these days is a chump to say so isn't he of course he is what chance does it leave him answer me that darned little if you ask me said mr evans judicially poor old george talks as if he were going to be married to-morrow instead of its having come off five weeks ago pursued uncle martin bitterly plainly there were depths of understanding in the man trimmer though he might be mr evans made no reply irrationally he was considering the terms five weeks and married in relation to a spinster who would have professed to be indignant had she known it got to pull the poor devil out said uncle martin when in silence they had traversed fifty feet more of the shaded side of maple avenue how demanded the again practical mr evans make him take it back make him recant swing him over the last week before election make him eat his words with every sign of exquisite relish simple enough how persisted mr evans wiles tricks subterfuges chicanery understand what i mean sure i understand what you mean as well as you do but come down to brass tacks that's an entirely different matter conceded uncle martin gruffly it may take thought oh is that all very well then we'll think i myself will think first i'll have a talk with the sodden amorist i'll grill him i'll find the weak spot in his armor there must be something we can put over on him by fair means or foul insisted uncle martin as they pause at the parting of their ways low down underhanded work do you get what i mean i do i do declared young mr evans and broke once more into the buoyant stride of an earlier moment this buoyance was interrupted but once and briefly ere he gained the haven of his office as he stepped quite too buoyantly into fountain square he was all but run down by the new six-cylinder roadster of mrs harvey harrington driven by the enthusiastic owner he regained the curb in time with a ready and heartfelt utterance nicely befitting the emergency 
the president of the whitewater women's club the municipal league and the suffrage society brought her toy to a stop fifteen feet beyond her too agile quarry with a fine disregard for brakes and tire surfaces she beckoned eagerly to him she might have slain she was a large woman with an air of graceful but resolute authority a woman good to look upon attired with all deference to the modes of the moment and exhaling an agreeable sense of goodwill to all be careful always to look before you start across and you'll never have to say such things was her greetings to mr evans as he halted beside this minor juggernaut sorry you heard it lied the young man readily such a flexible little car picks up before one realizes conceded whitewater's acknowledged social dictator but what i wanted to say is this that poor daft partner of yours has mortally offended every woman in town except three with that silly screed of his i've seen nearly all of them that count this morning or they've called me by telephone now why couldn't he've had the advice of some good capable woman before committing himself so rabidly who were the three queried mr evans oh poor genevieve of course she goes without saying and you'd guess the other two if you knew them better his cousin alice brewster smith and poor genevieve's cousin emmeline they both have his horrible schoolboy composition committed to memory i do believe cousin emily recited most of it to me with tears in her weak eyes and alice tells me his noble words have made the world seem like a different place to her she said she had been coming to believe that chivalry of the true old brand was dying out but that dear cousin george has renewed her faith in it think of poor genevieve when they both fall on his neck they're going up for that particular purpose this afternoon the only two in town mind you except poor genevieve oh it's too awfully bad because aside from this medieval view of his george was probably as acceptable for this office as any man could be the lady burdened the word man with a tiny but distinguishable emphasis mr evans chose to ignore this george's friends are going to take him in hand said he of course he was foolish to come out the way he has even if he did say only what every man believes in his secret heart the president of the whitewater women's club fixed him with a glittering and suddenly hostile eye what you too she flung at him he caught himself he essayed explanations modifications a better lighting of the thing but at the expiration of his first blundering sentence mrs harrington with her flexible little car was narrowly missing an aged and careless pedestrian fifty yards down the street george come in yet for the second time mr evans was demanding this of miss elizabeth sheridan who had also ignored his preliminary good morning now for a moment more she typed viciously one would have said that the thriving legal business of remington and evans required the very swift completion of the document upon which she wrought and one would have been grossly deceived the sheet had been drawn into the machine at the moment mr evans boyan's step had been heard in the outer hall and upon it was merely written a dozen words the bald assertion now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of the party 
actually it was but the mechanical explosion of the performer's mood rather than the wording of a sentiment now or at any happier time entertained by her at last she paused she sullenly permitted herself to be interrupted her hand still hovered over the already punished keys of the typewriter she glanced over a shoulder at mr evans and allowed him to observe her annoyance at the interruption george has not come in yet she said coldly i don't think he will ever come in again i don't see how he can have the face to i shouldn't think he could ever show himself on the street again after that that the young woman's emotion overcame her at this point again her relentless fingers stung the blameless mechanism to come to the aid of the party now is the time for all good she here controlled herself to further speech and you of course you applaud him for it oh i knew you were all alike now look here betty this thing has gone far enough far enough indeed but you won't give me a chance mr evans here bent above his employee in a threatening manner you don't even ask what i think about it you say i'm guilty and ought to be shot without a trial not even waiting till sunrise if you had the least bit of fairness in your heart you'd have asked me what i really thought about this outbreak of george's and i'd have told you in so many words that i think he's made all kinds of a fool of himself no do you really pen miss sheridan had swiftly become human she allowed her eyes to meet those of mr evans with an easy gladness but little known to him of late of course i do betty the idea of a candidate for office in this enlightened age breaking loose in that manner it's suicide he could be arrested for the attempt in this state is that strong enough for you you surely know how i feel now don't you come on betty dear let's not spar in that foolish way any longer remember all i said yesterday it goes double today really i see things more clearly plainly miss sheridan was disarmed and i thought you'd approve every word of that silly tirade she murmured mr evans still above her was perilously shaken by the softer note in her voice but he controlled himself in time and sat in one of the chairs reserved for waiting clients it was near miss sheridan yet beyond reaching distance he felt that he must be cool in this moment of impending triumph wasn't it the awfulest rot demanded the spinster pounding out a row of periods for emphasis and he's got to be made to eat his words said mr evans wisely taking the same by-path away from the one subject in all the world that really mattered who could make him i could if i tried it came in quiet masterful tones that almost convinced the speaker himself oh pen if you could wouldn't that be a victory though if you only could well if i only could and if i do his intention was too pointed to be ignored oh that he winced at the belittling that of course i couldn't promise anyway i don't believe you could ever do it so what's the use of being silly but you will will you promise if i do convert george answer the question please mr evans glared as only actual district attorneys have the right to oh what nonsense but well i'll promise i'll promise to promise to think very seriously about it indeed if you bring george around betty it was the voice of an able pleader 
and he half arose from his chair, his arms eloquent of purpose. Now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of the party. Now is the time for, wrote Miss Sheridan with dazzling fingers, and the pleader resumed his seat. How will you bring him round, she then demanded? Wiles, tricks, stratagems, replied the rising young diplomat, moodily, smarting under the moment's defeat. Serve him right for pulling all that old-fashioned nonsense, said Miss Sheridan, and accorded her employer a glance in which admiration for his prowess was not half concealed. The words of a fool wise in his own folly went on the encouraged Mr. Evans, and then, alas, a victim to the slight oratorical thrill these words brought him. Honestly uttering what every last man believes and feels about woman in his heart, and yet what no sane man running for office can say in public here what's the matter the latter clause had been evoked by the sight of a blazing miss sheridan who now stood over him with fists tightly clenched oh 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 this was low tense thrilling it expressed horror so that's what your convictions amount to then you do applaud him every word of him and you were deceiving me every man in his own heart indeed thank heaven i found you out in time it may be said that mr evans now cowered in his chair the term is not too violent he ventured to lift a hand in weak protest no no betty you're being unjust to me again i meant that that was what martin jaffrey told me this morning it isn't what i believe at all i tell you my own deepest sentiments are exactly what yours are in this great cause which which painfully he became aware of his own futility miss sheridan had ceased to blaze seated again before the typewriter she grinned at him with amused incredulity you nearly had me going pen mr evans summoned the deeper resources of his manhood and achieved an easier manner he brazenly returned her grin i'll have you going again before i'm through remember that by wiles tricks and stratagems i suppose the same by those i shall make poor george recant and by those assuming you to be a woman with a fine sense of honor who will hold a promise sacred i shall have you going and mark my words you'll be going good too silly she drew from the waste-basket the maltreated sentinel unfurled it to expose the offending matter and smote the column with the backs of four accusing fingers there my dear is your answer now run along like a good boy silly said mr evans striving for a masterly finish to the unequal combat he arose dissembling cheerful confidence straightened the frame of a steel engraved daniel webster on the wall and thrice paced the length of the room falsely appearing to be engaged in deep thought miss sheridan apparently for mere exclamatory purposes now re-read the fulmination of the absent partner she scoffed she sneered flouted derided and one understood that she was including both members of the firm then her listener became aware that she had achieved coherence indeed yes do you know what ought to happen to him every unprotected female in this county 
or to pack her trunk and trudge right up to the Remington place and say, Here we are, noble man. We've read your burning words in which you offer to protect us. Save us from the vote. Let your home be our sanctuary. That's what you mean if you meant anything but Tommy Rot. And now we throw ourselves upon your boasted chivalry. Where are our rooms? And what time is luncheon served? Here, just say that again, called Mr. Evans from across the room. Miss Sheridan obliged. She elaborated her theme. George should be taken at his word by every weak flower of womanhood. If women were nothing but ministering angels, it was up to George to give him a chance to minister. So went Miss Sheridan's improvisation, and Mr. Evans, suffering the throes of a mighty inspiration, suddenly found it sweetest music. When Miss Sheridan subsided, Mr. Evans appeared to have forgotten the cause of their late encounter. Whistling cheerily, he bustled into his own office, mumbling of matters that had to be gotten off. For some moments he busied himself at his desk, then emerged to dictate three business letters to his late antagonist. He dictated in a formal and distant manner, pausing in the midst of the last letter to spell out the word analysis, which he must have known would enrage her further. And then quite casually he wished to be told if she might know the local habitat of Mrs. Alice Brewster Smith and a certain cousin Emmeline. His manner was arid. Miss Sheridan chanced to know that the ladies were sheltered in the exclusive boarding-house of one Mrs. Gallup, out on Erie Street, and informed him to this effect in the fewest possible words. Mr. Evans whistled absently a moment, then formally announced that he should be absent from the office for perhaps an hour. Hat, gloves, and stick in hand, he was about to nod punctiliously to the back of Miss Sheridan's head when the door opened to admit none other than our hero, George Remington. George wore the look of one who is uplifted, and who yet has found occasion to be thoughtful about it. Penfield Adams grasped his hand and shook it warmly. Fine, George, old boy, simply corking. Honestly, I didn't believe you had it in you. You covered the ground, and you did it in a big way. It took nerve all right. Of course, you probably know that every woman in town is speaking of your young wife as poor Genevieve. But you've had the courage of your convictions. It's great. Thanks, old man. I've spoken for the right as I saw it. Let come what may. By the way, has Uncle Martin been in this morning, or telephoned, or sent any word? Miss Sheridan coldly signified that none of these things had occurred, whereupon George sighed in an interesting manner, and entered his own room. Mr. Evans had uttered his congratulations in clear ringing tones, and Miss Sheridan, even as she wrote, contrived with her trained shoulders to exhibit to his lingering eye an overwhelming contempt for his opinions and his double dealing in spite of which he went out whistling and closed the door in a defiant manner. End of chapter 2